half of it on the oh. carpet. I'll clean it up half. Guess what? What? I've noticed. What? You've trimmed the beard again. <laughs> My beard is longer than yours, motherfucker. Absolutely. Yours has come to it. Yours has come to an all-time halt. Hasn't mate. Look, look at that. Look at all that. Look. Trim it. Not a chance, mate. Not a chance. You can't, you can't deny it anymore, mate. It's there. It's there as plain as day. You can see it's all trimmed here. It's all trimmed there. No, it's just a full-on man beard. Hi, Jack. Hi, Sam. Hi, mate. You okay? How's you? Yeah, how are you, Jack? More importantly, you've um, just I'm... completed your third year in a row of doing the London Marathon. Congratulations, yeah. mate. Thanks, buddy. I'm really, really, really am proud of you. Cheers, pumpkin. Um, yeah, Genuinely, no. I, I really... It was it was tough, mate. It was um, I didn't train properly for it <laughs> for all my yeah. friends. Um, yeah. I didn't train properly. Um, I didn't prep properly, and that led to me having a bit of a fucking moment and struggling. Yeah. So me and you have spoken, obviously, but our viewers wouldn't have heard it. But you you got a bit wobbly legged at one point, didn't you? And and nearly passed out. Yeah. So there's um. There's there's a there's a famous clip from the London Marathon a few years ago of a runner as close to the finish and a, a runner who basically his his legs just they're all over the shop and he's sort of leaning back you can tell he's really lightheaded he's about to pass out essentially um, and then another runner sort of grabs him and um, gets him to the finish mm. that's basically how I was but yeah. <laughs> I was I was only eleven miles in. Which is really bad, okay? And when you say only eleven miles in, that's still quite. A... Yeah, but for me, mate, I, I can normally do 10, 11 miles easy. Like that's not that's not a big distance for me. Like I can do that yeah. quite comfortably. So for me to get to that distance and feel that way, I was like, oh shit, I've really fucked this one up. Um, and mm. it just yeah, it wasn't good. My head was all over my. I basically lost all feeling my legs. They were just like they were moving, but I couldn't feel them. So I was like, my head, my vision was just going, just swaying from side to side. And I was like, oh God, this is not good. Mm -hmm. I, I was all over. I managed to get myself to the side and slow right down. Um, then I had a couple of runners come past and were like, dude, you need to stop. You need to stop. Like a bunch of people. And I was just going, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Uh, and then it got worse. <laughs> it got a lot really? worse. Um, my head was spinning and uh, I literally had to just grab the railing at the side of the the, the, the the road and have a big pause and get some deep breaths in me to shut my eyes and just do some deep breaths and um, it was at this moment that uh, I felt someone very firmly and quite <laughs> briskly grab me from behind on the back of the shoulders like this and try and force me out into the, out of the road and to the side. Um, mm. So just imagine that you, you you're not feeling great. Uh, there's, yeah. no, there's no pre warning, uh, and you've got someone grabbing you from behind you. You don't know who it is because they've not introduced themselves, and they're just forcing you out of the road. Um, so I immediately was going, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I thought, well, I I started to turn and sort of look to see who it was because in my head I went, that might be a copper or it might be a paramedic who's seen that I'm not in a good way and thought mm. get him out so he can he can get looked at and get some medical attention. If it had been one of them, I would have immediately just gone, look, I'm I'm okay, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. I'm just going to take a minute and I want to carry on, and that would have been yeah. fine. However, when I turned and I had a look, it was just a random member of the public, and I was. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no. I said no like that and looked right at him and he was still trying to hike me out. So then I was a I was a little bit rude and um politely yeah. politely but firmly told him to fuck off. <laughs> um and he, he looked at me and he knew exactly that I meant it and let go and let me carry on. Thankfully well, um, smart. I, yeah, thankfully I was okay. Um I didn't have any more big moments like that. I had a couple more 
sort of milder reoccurrences later in the race, but they were manageable. Um, I just had to take a real steady, lots of deep breathing, got plenty of water on board, and I had some um, some sugary gel things as well. So, so I got a few of them on board and um, managed to get mm. myself through it and uh, got across the line about four hours, 42. So that, that was slow for me, but considering the circumstances, having not trained not prepped and having a moment like that, I, I was pretty chuffed yeah. to get over and get it done. Yeah, just completing it anyway is a massive achievement for anyone. So, it is, mate. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, I watched it, Jack. I watched it, I was looking out for you, and I have to say, I, I was getting out of breath watching people running. <laughs> I had a funny moment, I had to have a nap on the sofa. <laughs> I, will, I will say though, the, the, the one the one bit that really caught me off guard, other than obviously me having my moment, but um, they did the national alert, didn't they? Like the alarm alert that went out on all mobile phones, yeah. right? Mm. I, so I knew it was going to happen, but when I'm in race mode, I zone out. I ain't got a fucking clue what's going on other than what's in front of me, and I'm listening to like music or podcasts in my ears, right? Yeah. Come three o'clock, my podcast I was in the middle of listening to cut out. And I just went, oh, fuck. I was thinking in my head, my fucking battery's gone. For fuck's sake. Like that. And then all of a sudden, there was just these, oh, they're like alerts just like ringing right through my ears. And I was going, I sort of had this moment. I sort of jumped and I was looking around. Um, and then I saw about five or six other people all having the same thing. Doing the same thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, that, was quite, uh, that was quite a moment. That's one I'll never forget. So there was... Yeah. Uh, I actually generally was having a couple of new experiences for me, mate, this year. So I, I generally was having a nap when that alarm went off, and it and it it was scared the hell out of me. Yeah, because I, I, I forgot about it. My daughter was going, "Don't answer it," and I was like, "Answer what? What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was good, mate. And then yeah, you know, that's three in the row. Like I said the other week, that's that's the end of a chapter for me. Um, um my my journey with London and uh, that whole saga of getting in and um, sort of what I've achieved is kind of closed now, um, and that's that's on to something new. So, um, so what what's new then? What's going to be next for you? Because you you're not the sort of bloke that will just walk off into the sunset and not do anything that pushes and challenges you. Obviously, the London Marathon three years in a row is a hell of an achievement. What, what are you going to do to stop that? <laughs> watch the space, Samuel. Just watch remember, his face. Yeah. Watch closely. What are you going to see every day for a year? <laughs> what sort of <laughs> mug would do that? That's not possible. This mug right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't made my mind up yet, mate. I've got a few things in mind. Um, I, I just for me, I mean, ironically, I had very little motivation. Like I said, I didn't train a whole lot for the London Marathon, which is ridiculous in itself. But <laughs> um, having done it and had that feeling, that's actually kick-started. And I've actually, I've probably done more prep for a marathon already this week than I did in the build <laughs> to it. So... Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, that, you, you know what I'm like, mate. There'll be something on the horizon. There'll be something that yeah. half, and um, I, I shall let people know when I've when I've made yeah. my, I've set me sights on. Awesome. Well, so how many marathons have you run, Samuel, in the last week? I've run a bath the other night. That's about it. Quite. Cool. I actually did get a stitch when you said that. Then just run. I got a stitch. <laughs> but I have got a fantastic guest lined up for you today. Hey, Sam. Hey. Who have we got coming on the show today? We've got Johnny, a.k.a. the self-development coach. Okay. Um, very inspirational bloke. Sober Dave is the one who, um, who not introduced, but um, what is the word? He, he told me about this bloke and said that he thought me and him would get on very well i searched up him on instagram and i watched a few of his videos and he does lives and stuff like i do um i'm yet to do one with him but i'm gonna um very very inspirational excellent okay mate well uh... hello 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 Hi. how you doing <laughs> how you do you look so surprised then <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, sort of, you you're like oh up <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Pleasure to meet you, mate. 
Yeah, um, and you. So I'm just turning off all this stuff on here so it doesn't beep. Uh, sorry about that. Sober Dave was the one who um, who told me about your page. Oh, um, really? <laughs> yeah. So I was having a chat with him, and that's when I started following you. And then me and you have spoke a couple of times since then. But we've, this is the first time we've actually met face to face, isn't it? So that's right. Yeah, yeah. And and also uh, first time is it is it Jack? Yes, Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the first time I'm meeting you too, Jack. So nice to meet you too. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm so shiny. I just bloody got out of the shower, man. <laughs> That's like, <awesome. laughs> I'm just looking at myself thinking, wow, I look really shiny. <laughs> well, well, you are a shiny character, mate. <laughs> no, I just wanted to, to get you on. I know parts of your story because I've listened to stuff that you, and, and I watch your lives and stuff. And um, uh, But a lot of our guests might not have heard your story. So I just wanted to go back from the start, really, with you and tell your story of where... <laughs> Where you were at um, through your childhood up until well, 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 start middle and finish really, if possible. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my name is Johnny Lawrence, um, better known as a self development coach these days. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is because the guy from Cobra Kai stole my name. Um, bit of a touchy subject, Johnny. <laughs> but if you type Johnny Lawrence into uh, into Google, I do not come up. But mate, he does. So what do you do? You change your name, apparently. <laughs> but anyway, I'll get out of that bitterness and I'll, and I'll move on. <laughs> but no, the the, uh, the the other thing is that I have. Uh, it sounds really corny every time I say it, but it's the truth. I have committed the rest of my days to helping as many people as I can with their self development, because I have learned through some pretty pretty difficult challenging experiences i've learned so many things uh by the time i was ready i was able to take some of that post-traumatic growth and put it to good use by passing on stuff that i'd learned from others doesn't make me better than anyone just means i've made more mistakes than some people um and then the other part of it is the education you know formal education um in all areas of of development it started in the health and fitness industry um i was a health and fitness coach a strength and conditioning coach and i found myself you know realizing that the problem wasn't that people wasn't exercising and were eating bad food i wanted to understand what was driving them to do that because in essence and i fully understand that this is more difficult easier to say than it is to do in essence it's an action that you do or you don't do so there is something driving you behind that and i yeah. wanted to understand what that was and what i found was when you when when people go to say um i don't know slimming clubs you know essentially some of those people are are addicts they're addicted yeah. to food but yet they're told to focus on the thing that they're addicted to could you imagine trying to go sober focusing on alcohol <laughs> yeah. all you'd want to do is drink right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 it, so to me it was about realizing that these people needed to focus more on what was driving their their habit their addiction whatever you want to call it more so than um than than the actual thing they're addicted to it, it's almost i stopped short of saying it's almost redundant what you're addicted to it's the addiction that's the problem so um mm. That's how I became a self-development coach. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to drop the bitterness now and move on. <laughs> but uh, but my, my, my story starts, uh, like I said, I unfortunately, um, I was a witness to a considerable amount of domestic violence as a kid. Um, I was also a survivor of physical child abuse. Um, and that shapes the way that you see the world for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. Um, Part of the, the violence was um, physical, obviously, and some of it was psychological. Some of it was torture. I come to find out through, um, through going to therapy. It, it's really interesting. You know, these things can happen to you. And on reflection, as a 43-year-old, they can be really obvious, but, but they're not when you're a child. That's all you know. <laughs> that's your reality. That's, that's how you grow up, you know? So when you go to other people's houses and certain things are going on, your your perception of all that is very, very skewed. Um, and it's funny, I used to go to some, what I now know are really happy homes uh, when I was a kid. And uh, I would think they were weird. <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. It seems silly, doesn't it? But I did. I genuinely thought they were very strange. They were a bit much, you know. But um, mm. that's the impact of, that's one of the very many impacts that can happen when you grow up in that environment. But I mean, I ended up becoming addicted to alcohol. And one of the reasons that was, was because 
over my life, I had witnessed so many things. I'd seen, you know, some of the things that had happened to me were tough, are tough. Um, and some, but not as tough as watching things happen to my mother, yeah. my brothers and my sister. But that, that's really hard. And that's the stuff that keeps you awake. So blackout drunk. Yes, please. <laughs> because yeah. uh, at the time it was very hard to get to sleep. I was tormented by lots of uncomfortable memories and things like that. But it's not just that. It's also the fact that, you know, I grew up in the 80s, 80s child, mixed race, wasn't overly accepted around them times. There were a lot of opinions. There's a lot of fear. Um, I'm a person that chooses to look at everything that I can through compassion. So I understand that people were scared um, and they were making bad choices. Um, then at school, I wasn't particularly athletic. Um we didn't have any money, so I was very, very thin. Let's just say I was, I was last for football every time. Um, yeah. I never played rugby, uh, really, until I was a bit later on in life. Um, and I was dyslexic as well, which I didn't find out until I was 30. So in all areas of my life, I was, I was being let down, really. I was being let down and I was being directed towards basically being worthless. So it's no surprise that when I become... Uh, a teenager and uh, I walked in on an incident going on in my house I tried to my, my dad was violently beating my my brother while my mum was shielding him and I stepped in you know at the time I'd started lifting thought I was getting to be a big guy you know <laughs> and uh, I, I, I grabbed my dad I'm not saying I was being a hero or anything I wasn't I'm not going to sit there and say it was this heroic moment it wasn't I was terrified but it was an instinct and I pulled him off and then I sort of was prepared myself for what was going to happen and he just laughed at me and walked away but at that point my mum and I decided that it might be better this sort of thing was clearly going to happen more often and that it was better for everybody if I just moved out that was the decision we made together and then I found myself 16 years old on my own um and that's when I started my relationship with my old friend alcohol because yeah it was company it was company and you used it to self-medicate like you say you were, yeah. you were using it yeah. to drink blackout to forget things um that must that's so much pressure for a 16 year old to be left on his own as well it must and like you say you're obviously very protective over your mum and your siblings did that make the situation worse for you to to, to wonder what was going on in the house or uh do you know what um around christmas time i did a podcast episode with my brother and mm. um I found something out while I was talking to him on the podcast and it, it rattled me a little bit because I always felt really bad. I always thought that I had abandoned them. I always felt yeah. like I should have been there. I, you know, there were times I'm not claiming to be the hero. I was the oldest. I was the biggest. And sometimes it was down to me to, to, to navigate the difficult waters. You know, I would recognize signs at home of things that were a certain way. And if they were a certain way, that meant certain things were going to go a certain way. So yeah. I would make sure certain things were okay. I would I would take the blame for things. I would do what I could, you know. Mm. And when I wasn't there, I didn't know what was going on. And it drove me mad. It did. It was a yeah. really great observation you make. And then um, mm. I uh, I felt guilty for a really long time. It's part of me that wonders whether that played into the drinking too, the guilt, the shame. Mm. Of it. But when I was talking to my brother on the podcast, he said, no, no. He went dude, you gave us somewhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I'm not crying, you're crying. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. You know? And when I think Actually, back, I remember it coming over. Because you're in an impossible situation because if you're there and witnessing it, it's messing you up. And if you're at home wondering what's going on, it's messing you up. So the the cards you got dealt were were... It was hardly either way. You you couldn't. Yeah. There was there was all, and it would have been a lot easier to focus just on them negatives. And now we, now when you just say that you spoke to your brother and you and you could see the positive effect it had as well. If only you'd known that at the time as well. You know. Yeah, I mean it's a lifelong practice. Uh, reframing. Um, we can't change what's happened. Uh, no. We can sit there all day long ruminating replaying things in our head, wishing they'd gone differently, wondering what would have happened if we'd done this, if we'd done that. Mm. all that's doing is keeping us stuck all that's doing is making us sad and making us lean more and more towards our vices and our addictions Absolutely. So for me it's about reframing it it's about any opportunity i can to look at something intensely and reframe it and look at it in a more helpful way i've got yeah. this sort of mantra for life really it's like focus on what helps and heals not what hurts and holds you back yeah, because at any at any moment, I'm sure the three of us, you know, we've all we've all been through something. I don't think anyone gets through life unscathed. Yeah. Um, 
Mm. And at any one point, we could sit there and we could we could think about it. And it, it's a mood changer. It will mm. always be true. These things that happen to us will always be true. And that's a shame. And that's horrible. And I hate that that's the fact, but it is the fact. So yeah. I'm not going to focus on that. And I, I've I've been known to actively shout at myself. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I'd be, you know, it'd be like Johnny, you're thinking about that thing again. Stop it. You know. Yeah. You know because yeah, so it's not helpful. So you you used alcohol. You were 16 when all this was going on. You moved out. Obviously, it had been going on longer. Um, you used alcohol. I, I, I want to get to how, how long you used alcohol for, but I also want to know when you decided to give up the alcohol, how you dealt with them feelings and that, because you, you, you would have got rid of your addiction, but all them emotions and that would have still been there. So you'd need something else to cope with them. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. Um, well... Sort of my relationship with alcohol was it was a slow burn, really. Um, when I was younger, no one in my house drank alcohol. Um, and it wasn't until I moved out um, that I started really drinking. I'd drunk with friends here and there, but I was really one of those that would grab a beer and nurse it all night. You know, I didn't really like the taste of it and stuff. Yeah. And then when I moved out and I started, to, you know, you have a few beers and you start to cheer up a bit, you start to be a bit more optimistic, whatever it is, you know. And at the time I was drinking a four pack and that was enough, but... As you can imagine, by the time I was giving up, it was a lot more than that. Um, yeah. But for me, what really escalated by drinking was um, my first son being born. And I was, you know, I, I watched both of my sons be born. I was very, it was an incredible thing to witness. And um, I'm, I'm watching, watching my wife give birth. The, ba the baby comes out and I'm giving the baby and I'm holding the baby in my hand. I'm holding my son. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. And I'm feeling all these powerful feelings that any parent would feel. This love, mm. this protection, this this sort of like promise that you sort of make from heart to heart, you know. Mm. And at the same time as I was doing all those things, I was hit with this very odd feeling. And it was my whole life I'd wondered, like, why my dad was the way he was, why he did what he did, you know, what, why, why, why. And then all of a sudden I started thinking, how? So I was feeling this feeling. I didn't have any context before of being a dad or being a parent. So I was like, how did he do this? Like any, surely it's a nat it's nature's instinct for you to feel this way. Mother, father, whatever. You have that parental instinct of love and compassion and wanting to help and nurture a baby, your son, yeah. your daughter, whatever. So how the yeah. hell can you do the things that you, he did? And that, that shut me down. I can only describe that as like a, like a psychological unraveling, <laughs> if yeah. I'm honest, you know, and uh, the only way I could really cope, obviously we just had a baby. So my wife's like struggling a little bit. It's hard, you know, yeah. parents difficult. And uh, I'm sort of on the way to checking out <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I can't do this. And alcohol helped me stay in the game. And this is the thing that people say about alcohol, you know, um, I'm grateful for it. That might be controversial, but I'm grateful mm. for it because honestly and truthfully, without that, what then? You know, I remember speaking to somebody, a therapist at some point, and them saying to me, congratulations for finding a way to stay alive. And I was mm. just like, wow, you know, but honestly and truthfully, without the alcohol, I, that was my coping mechanism. And it worked until it didn't, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's not a long-term yeah. thing. And it's not one I it's not one I recommend either. I'm not I'm not glorifying yeah. it. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying it's what I did. And I drank that alcohol and, I, and, it, and it seemed to help me, you know, yeah. at the time. But you do that over long periods of time and it starts to be at your detriment. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, so, you, you rode it so the wheels come off. That's what. That's basically, what, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, that, I was, uh, that really, know. that, that really, really touched me there, mate. That, that was, um, very powerful what you said. And I think you're an, you're an incredible bloke to, to take all your life experiences and use them to help others now. That's what this, this whole podcast is about. And for you to, to speak like that, um, you, you, you had all these answers. Uh, all these questions, sorry, with no answers for years. And then when you had your first time, you were just left with that feeling. Uh, uh, my, well, how was your relationship with your children to that? Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, I love my boys. You know, I really do. I've got two boys and they're everything. Um, my favourite, <laughs> I literally was sad this week because it was the last 
a rugby game for my son of this season and it's not going to start until the end of the year. I was gutted. It's literally the thing I literally look forward to. It's sad, really, I suppose, but it's the thing I look forward to the most every week, watching my son play rugby because watching that boy's face when he plays rugby, it's like a a happy puppy, you know? He's just loving life. So I love it. I I, I love my kids. You know, it's hard. Parenting's hard, right? It's up and down. I'm not going to sit there and tell you it's family bliss every day because anyone that says that's probably lying. (laughs) So, But it's not, but but overall, I love I love my I love my kids. I I'm always got their back, and you know I'm trying to. I'm always using. You know I could be grateful for one thing for my dad. He certainly taught me not what to do. You know. Yeah. So does, I, do you do you have any type of relationship with your dad now at all? No, no, no. no. I I try to go I try to go back. Um, some time ago, my wife sort of. I don't think she was particularly strong strong willed about it, but she she sort of felt that. You know, it would be nice for there to be a photograph of my boys, of our boys, sorry, with with my dad. Mm. And when she first said it, I had this instinct to shut it down. Mm. Um, sorry, look, like Jack was going to say something. Was gonna... How long was it between sort of when uh, you kind of cut all ties to that moment when your your wife's kind of made that suggestion? What was the time scale between it? I, I don't I don't say there was any real formal cut all ties. I mean, when I moved out. I never, I never saw him really after that. Um, it would be weird, like you know, as I was growing up, you know, sixteen and, and upwards, I would, I would have girlfriends or whatever, and we'd be walking through town, and my dad would be walking down the street, and I'd look at him, he'd look at me, and I'd just sort of nod my head, he'd nod my head, and yeah. the girl would say like, "Who's that?" And I'd say, "That's my dad," and she'd go, <laughs> and I go, "No, it is," and they'd be like, <laughs> "You know, just they got nothing, they got nothing, they don't understand." Yeah, they don't get it. They're like, that doesn't make sense. But it is what it is. It's like, what do you do? It's your dad. I'm going to acknowledge him. But mm. at the same time, I, what am I going to stop and talk to him about? Oh, it's nice weather, isn't it? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, so yeah. yeah, that was that. But yeah. Um, you just kind of have a feeling of like, there's almost like there's nothing there anymore. Like that that kind of, yes, he's your dad, but there's that that kind of disconnect from it. Yeah, I mean, he was he wasn't, he was never really. Not, not, not as I've come to realize what a dad is now. Yeah. You know, um, I got given what I got given, and I didn't know any different to that. And, um, you know, I will say this my dad was a hell of a provider. He worked very, very hard. He worked into some of them really. We, we grew up in Hertfordshire. There were some super hot Hertfordshire summers, and he was a welder. You know, he'd get up super early, come back super late. You know, he was a provider but he just wasn't a very nice person and he hurt us and everyone in the house. And there's, there's not, you know, so it wasn't until we went, we went back uh, to get the photograph. And I sort of, as I, as I was, uh, as I was moving towards that, I started thinking, well, maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe I can, and I started thinking to myself, maybe I could, maybe I could talk to him and explain how he made us feel. Maybe, you know, it, I, I, as I've said before, I had no expectations so that's not true. I did. Mm. I, I hoped that it would be this lovely little Disney moment. It was not. <laughs> um, yeah. he, we started talking. Uh, you know, we went in, um, done the photograph and everything, which was awkward anyway. And then I said to my wife, sort of thing, "Do you want to go and wait in the car? I won't be a minute." And she was sort of like dreading this whole idea. She was like, "Wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't suggested this." Yeah. Now. <laughs> you, know, you know, she was like, "Man, you know." But uh, yeah, we um, they they went and sat in the car, and then um, I sat. I, I sort of said to him, you know, I, I want to talk to you about some stuff. Uh, and I was scared. I'm not going to lie. I was really scared. I was a bit shaky, a bit stuttery. I always had this thing when I was a kid. I had a stutter for a little while um, and I sort of grew out of it. But I'd always find it really hard to talk to my dad. I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to speak. It'd be like my voice just clams up like, and I'd get yeah. really, really like stuttery. And, you know, and I, you know, I'm told I'm quite articulate, but not with him. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I tried to, I sort of tried to explain how things made me feel and all this sort of stuff. And he sort of, sort of listened. And then he just started going on about something that was completely relevant and started blaming my mum for it all. And there was this moment where I sort of just looked at him and it was like, I'm not going to say it was an out of body experience or anything like that, but it was a moment where I really sort of got on this, like almost like an overview. And I looked mm. at it and I thought, my God, you're crazy. Like yeah. you're actually, you're actually can like, this is there is a huge problem between you and I, but it's not my problem. I'm done mm. trying to impress you. I'm done trying to do this course for you, so that you keep suggesting. I'm done trying to do all these things that I think will make you like me anymore. I'm done with it. Like there mm. you go, buddy. 
you can have this emotional baggage back. I don't want it. I've got yeah. two boys to bring up. I don't need this, you know? And yeah. I walked out that door and I felt free. How know? long ago was that? Uh, that was probably about, probably about 10 years. Uh, no, about, about, about nine years ago, eight years ago, maybe something like that. I suppose that's what you call an awakening, isn't it? You had like this. Yeah. 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 There comes a point where, you know, how long are we going to do this? You know, how long are we going to do this? I need to move on. I've got two boys that need me. I've got a wife that's struggling because it's hard being a mum. You know, Mm. Uh, I haven't got, I haven't got time for this anymore. Sorry. (laughs) You know, Isn't isn't it crazy as well? How you, you're, you felt scared and dry mouthed and everything. It's probably all them emotions and feelings of what you felt when you were a kid and going through that at that time. And just seeing that person again, brought all them feelings and emotions flooding back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, it's like I have a very difficult relationship with like anger and rage because my example mm. of anger and rage was that it was complete yeah. loss of control. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't go into it, but some of the things that I had to see, some of the things that were done to me are, are insane. Yeah. Like I've, I've sat with, with therapists and they've started crying and asked me to <laughs> stop, you know, and it's crazy. And I, I have this thing and I recognize it. I, I see it a lot when I watch myself back on things that I laugh a lot and stuff. And that's the coping mechanism. It's, yeah. you know, they say you don't, you don't, if you don't laugh, you cry, you know, because some of the yeah. stuff is really, really difficult, you know, and I was willing in that moment um, to find a way forward if he was, and he wasn't. Yeah. You know? so there is. You, you, <laughs> well, you've proven that you're the bigger man in a lot, in yeah. a lot of ways then, you know. Really, really appreciate you sharing that, Johnny. That's um, the, the only reason why I asked is because I, I have a similar kind of disconnect with my stepfather. So um, my mum and him separated just over a decade ago now. Um, they had a quite a heated divorce. There was no violence, so I'm not I'm not comparing myself to, to, to your story in, in that sense. But um, the, the manner in which he dealt with um, the kind of divorce and the separation and how bitter and um you know this deceptive he, he was and um it just completely changed my perception of him um my relationship with him completely changed um and as i said that's, that's going on a decade now um he doesn't live that far away from me but i've had no contact with him for for, for over a decade now but i have that that feeling of i, I don't need anything from him i think yeah. i think when the, in the manner that he treated my mum and, and how he managed the situation in there was enough for me to realize the sort of person that he was. Um, mm. And, and that made me realize I, I don't need him. I can be my own person. Um, and I, I look at what I've achieved and done in my own life over the last 10 years. Uh, it completely outweighs what I've done up until that point. So I've achieved yeah. more now without him than I ever had with him. Don't get me wrong. I'll give him credit where credit's due. He was a provider um, and, you know, he, he'd done his absolute best to be a dad to me and my brother. Um, but but I don't, I, I'm not, there's nothing there anymore. Um, and genuinely, if, if I was to bump into him, say, you know, on a night out or, or in a bar or in a cafe or something like that, I, I literally, I've got nothing to say. I've got, I've got nothing yeah. to say to him. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that gave me goosebumps. Because, you know, you're right. You know, we, we look to these father figures, um, these caregivers, whatever you want to call them, for guidance, and they let us down. Yeah. You know, and I feel like there's a real movement at the moment of what it means to be a man. It used to mean, you know, there used to be that real sort of rough, you know, being strong, being all these things. But what does strong mean? What does strong mean? Some stuff happened to me a little while ago that was unbelievable. You know, you think to yourself that, you're done with trauma. You've got tra- trauma licked. <laughs> you know, I've had my share. I'll be good. I'll be good for the rest of my life. And then, then someone says, mm, got a little bit more if you're all right. You know, you know? And, uh, and, and you end up in a situation and you can't believe it. And there's a choice there. You know, you cannot change what happened. You can't. It's happened. But you can, the one thing you can do is that you can, you can choose how you respond to it. You can choose the things that you do, the way that you speak to people, the way that you treat people, because being a dick isn't going to help anybody. Mm. You're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be angry. Absolutely. Validate your anger. Definitely. Don't pretend you're not. Don't don't suppress it. You know, suppression of anger will turn into depression or rage. One of the two. Um, 
So don't do that, but you don't have to you don't have to hurt anyone. You know, no, I've, when has hurting anyone ever helped anything? Like really? Exactly. <laughs> and I I think what you've done is break the chain. Whereas uh, unfortunately there's a lot of families where um that the they've been hurt so bad like your dad did to you and and because they're so angry and bitter towards the world they they become that version of their their father as well and thank god you've gone about it a different way and and what you've what you've done is used such a negative thing and turned it round into a positive by by using it as as um as your superpower in a way do you know what i mean you've using the the negativity from the past to and you've you've put such a positive spin on it and thought I, like you said i can't change what's happened to me but all i can do is prevent it happening to someone else and yeah. and and that's why i think it's so important that you do what you do and and I, i'm even more of a fucking fan of yours now after speaking to you <laughs> oh, that's you, man. <laughs> I, yeah. I, i'm not brilliant at taking compliments so sorry <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Well, uh, I, well, I'll give them out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you're talking about, though, is something called the conditions of worth in psychology, mm. reframing um, and sort of changing the way that you've been brought up, the lessons that you might have learned, you know, that's conditions of worth. And what that is, 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 is how we develop our self-concept, you know, who we are, our personality, some people might call it as someone looking in. But how we develop our self-concept is you know for example let's just keep it simple you know you have a you have your first packet of crisps yeah you you, you love you love the packet you open the packet it smells amazing you know you, you put your hand in you love the crunch you love the taste all that you've made your mind up you like crisps <laughs> yeah but you did all that because you made your mind up on how it made you feel now another way that you can learn it and and what they what they call that is and i'm going to be careful is they call it an organismic way of learning so an, an organismic value in process but um the other way to do it is interjection which is somebody else teaches you what you like and the way that can be done is you're a kid yeah you go to school on a monday and it's test day and you come back and you've passed all your tests and you're really happy with yourself and you come in and you tell your mum and dad yeah I passed all my tests mum and dad yeah and they're like oh you're amazing you're a good kid you are let's get pizza tonight and you're like oh, this is <laughs> living the dream loving it the next day you go in, you play football and you come up with your trainers scuffed. You know, you've got a hole in your trousers and your mum's properly pissed off with you. <laughs> she's not happy at all. And she tells you you're naughty and she tells you that you're bad and that she's, she might give you the cold shoulder for an hour or two. So what you've just learned is doing well at school is good. Football is bad. Playing sports is bad. And then you start to form all your values off of that. And you spend your whole life thinking football is bad. I don't, I don't like football. You start telling everyone you don't like football. You don't play football. I'm more interested in studies and all that. And then one day you get old enough and you're like, this doesn't feel true. <laughs> this doesn't feel true. This feels like a lie. Like, and then you start to realize, well, where did it come from? And that's where therapy comes in. Gives you the opportunity to go back and look how your sort of conditions of worth are built, you know? Um, and that's what can happen. That's what happens when you have a family like mine or a father like mine. You know, you are taught in every single conceivable way that you are worthless. Mm. And the lesson when you stop drinking is to learn that you're not. That you're not worthless and start collecting the evidence of why you're not worthless. You know, mm. start really. That's why now I, I, st I find it hard to get compliments, but I do take them and I'm grateful for them. And I, and I try to put them in my list of like, this is because it's a real feeling. It's not an attention-seeking thing. <laughs> like, that's yeah. all. Uh, it, it's a real feeling. That's how I feel. You know, mm. I, I can also rationalize it and know that it's not true. But it doesn't stop the feeling though, does it? No. <laughs> Feelings don't care. <laughs> Feelings yeah. don't feel. They don't, they don't care about logic. They don't care about sense. They don't care about any of that. They just feel, you know? It's just that instinct, that that reaction. And, and that's the other thing, like as human beings, we have this, these, these two main instincts. One is to survive and one is to develop, you know, a baby doesn't know what, what, what water is, doesn't know what food is, doesn't know what going to the toilet or sleeping is, doesn't understand any of these concepts, but it knows it wants it. <laughs> it knows it needs to go to sleep. It knows it needs to eat. It knows it needs to drink. It knows all these things. It's an, it's an instinct, you know, mm. I feel like I've gone off, off on one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but that 
blow my mind, mate. I'm <laughs> learning stuff, and this is one of them podcasts where I'll be thinking about it after and be like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's what well, I like the, doing it. The, the bit to it is, though, is that you do, <laughs> I'm always careful when I talk about stuff like that because someone's going to go over and go, Mum, you screwed me up proper. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, no, wait, that's not what I said. <laughs> no, but it's important to have these conversations because you learn a lot from, about yourselves. But also, um, you, you, as a father, it's good to know these things as well because I know I'm not always getting it right myself and I'm always trying to improve as, as, yeah. when it comes to that sort of thing. The hardest you know I mean? thing in the world. We can't help but influence our kids in some way. I think yeah. for me, what's really important is if one of my children does something wrong and they need to know it and I need to tell them, there's no way you can tell someone that they've done something wrong or they've made a mistake or they've hurt somebody or whatever it is. Mm. you can't do it there's not really like a, a nice way of doing it and i'm not sure it should be but what's really important for me and this is just my approach is that i don't attach that to love yeah you know, i want them to know that i love them i love mm. you you're 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 a great kid but you shouldn't have kicked that boy you can't yeah. do that you know it's stuff yeah. like that you know i still love you I, you know i get it i understand but you can't yeah. do that you can't kick people you can't do this you know yeah that's the way it is it, instead of the way that it was potentially done to me, you know, which is yeah, um, definitely. Don't That's what I'm going for. Whilst he's beating you, <laughs> doesn't make sense. Yeah. Very confusing message. <laughs> if, if it, that's why, if I tell my children off now, I have to really like think about it in my head and that, and think, am I snapping at them because I'm in a bad mood, or or is it because that because they've done something wrong? And if it's because they've done something wrong, then I, I can go and explain it to them why I told them off. And then if it is because I've been a bit stressed and I've got kids running around my feet, then I can go and explain to them. What so I tell them why I told them off, what either because they've done something wrong or because it was me, but either way, they get explained to why they got told off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so. It's so important that explanation, that apology, yeah. whatever. Listen, we're all human, man. We all, I yeah. shout at my kids, I, I say things I regret, I do all that stuff. You know, oh, yeah. you're the self development coach, you got it all nailed. Nope, yeah. <laughs> like, regular mistake maker, right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, yeah. so but but like it's about how you deal with it. Like it's a lifelong motto of mine. I don't judge people by their mistakes. I judge them how they get out of it, what they do yeah. next, whether they blame yeah. everyone around them or they take responsibility and go, listen, let me make that right. You know, yeah. and when my kids when my kids mess up or I mess up, if I shout at them and I, I say things I regret or whatever, I will apologize. I yeah. will say I'm really sorry I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. You know, yeah. I won't then caveat it, but you were you were being naughty. I will just apologize. Yeah, that's why it's so crucial. In my in my routine, I have a daily reflection on how I've, how the day's gone. I think about it, and if I own an apology to someone, then I make it right away, whether that's my kids or family member, friend, or anything. And well, if you do that, then you, you get a fresh start to the day each day. You know what I mean? And you yeah. learn from it. And if but I'm reflecting on it as well, then you you learn from your mistakes, and you don't keep on making the same ones. I think as well. It's important. Yeah, it, it's 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 even extra important with kids because don't forget, like, like that our external words become their internal words. Yeah, <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? So the things that we say to them become the little messages that they play in their head all the time, and it's yeah. little things like you know, you know, you're having an argument with the missus or something, you know, and they hear it, and then they said, "Oh, why are you and dad arguing?" You go, oh, "We're not arguing." What you've just taught that kid is don't trust your judgment. <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't judge your judgment you don't know what you, you don't know anything you're like how confusing yeah. is that you're standing there watching two people arguing and then they're telling me we're not arguing and you're like well they are my mum and dad they do know better than me and maybe i'm yeah. not getting this right like how confusing is that <laughs> like, yeah that's quite confusing you know so yeah, that communication that. is really important really really important yeah absolutely how old are your children uh 13 and 11 i'm being careful because he's just turned 11 and i said he was 10 the other day Whoa. yeah <laughs> it's important that is important man when you're 11 when you're 10 like and you're actually 11 like it's important stuff <laughs> that, that's i'll just going off subject a little bit because there's something i've been struggling with lately and because your kids are a similar age i just want to know if if you're the same but i, I was talking to jack earlier and i went and had a coffee with someone and my kids are 11 and 12 now and they're at an age where they've started to want to do things with their own mates, which is fine. And it's all part of the process. But aren't me as a parent's been struggling with that a little bit recently. Have you had that at all? Uh, sort of. Um, yeah. my, my, my oldest is, um, is autistic. So 
he doesn't behave typically so we, we get moments like there was a little while ago the only thing i compare it to is that he went out in town with his mates a little while ago um and there'd been a, a little bit of a an altercation at school the week before nothing serious but enough to to worry about it you know like with they bump into yeah. each other in town or whatever you know so i yeah. i can i can share that feeling and i think it's a it's a very normal feeling i think that's the first yeah. thing i want you to i would say to you is it's a very it's a very typical feeling it's a it's it's supposed to be there it's yeah. like laughing at something funny or crying at something sad you know when your kids want to go off and do something your job is since they've been born is to protect them right and yeah. when they're not around you you can't do that that's scary yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's anxiety inducing so yeah. there's something to it there's something to it just being super valid and like as much as it's a crap answer um you know it's that's how it feels um yeah and and that's that's kind of my whole mo really is like i get people to realize that these feelings that there's nothing there's nothing hard acceptance is the way forward with most things but mm. there's nothing harder to accept than the stuff that you don't want to be true yeah yeah you know? that's so true yeah and i think what it is i've had i've had because uh, because they've never really lived with me i've been separated from their mum so i've I, in all my spare time when I'm not working, I've had uh, two little kids running around my ankles, and now I've got they, they're sort of sort of avoid like like they're not there at the minute. I've got a lot of time to do extra thinking and everything, and in the way they might have been a distraction. And like you say, it's a worry as well. They're off doing their own thing, and I've always been there, look left, look right across the road, and everything. And now they've got to do it for themselves, and hopefully I've taught them well enough to do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I I, I get the vibe. I get the vibe, and I'm, and I'm sure Jack agrees that. I think I think you strike me as someone that's done a great job. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Man. No, I know you do. You strike me as someone that's done a great job. It's okay to worry. Um, that's I think I'm pretty confident that in other languages, parenting just means worrying. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's all it is, right? It's just, yeah. it's just one worry after another. Like I I, re I remember when we first had a, a a first son, and he was teething and crying and all these different things, keeping us up, all that stuff that happens when they're young. And uh, I remember being really tired one day and putting the bin out and I just sort of slipped into a daze while I was putting the bin out and the neighbor was standing there. He's like, you all right, mate? I said, oh. I said, when does this get easier? And he said, mate, you're not going to like this conversation. <laughs> I said, do you know what? Don't worry, I'm not ready for it. I'm going to go now. <laughs> I just thought, wow, I really don't want to have this conversation now. <laughs> it's just the way he told it to me. Yeah. Oh, mate. Is um what's next for you then? What's coming up with you? You're you're obviously busy with with um the social media stuff. You have got your podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's been a bit of a refocus thing. I mean, this whole self development coach thing has sort of happened very organically. Um, and it's very, it's been very hard for me to, um, I think this might be the first time of saying it really, but it's really hard for me to be the center of attention. Um. Mm my whole life i've tried to stay out of sight <laughs> you yeah. know not draw attention to myself that's 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 been my practiced habit and at yeah. the moment you know it, and it's lovely i'm super grateful that people want me to speak on their podcast people listen to my podcast people look at my social media and all of that is so great and i love it and it was the intention i suppose but um it kind of crept up on me like you know I, I was literally just trying to put stuff out there that I found helpful um yeah. I've learned a lot of stuff through experience and education and I wanted to put it out there um I, I laugh a lot you know because I've had a lot of people have said to me oh you know you put so much information out on your social for free you know you should be charging for it and I said listen look there's nothing out there that I'm telling people that I've just made up it's all it's all information that's out there anyone could find that you know so I'm just yeah. trying to put it all in one place people are struggling right now it's one yeah. of the, I, I'm not sure if this is true but it feels like it might be one of the hardest times to exist you know, people don't realize the impact of social media. Um, I was watching something that Jordan Peterson was saying the other day, and he was saying that a lot of these neurodiversities are a direct result of the schooling system, you know, and actually people are judging these poor kids, these girls, these boys on their behavior, not fitting in with what they want, them, how they want them to behave at school. And they're not saying that there's something wrong with school. They're saying something wrong with the kids. Well, all of them <laughs> really yeah <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. developed now because that's that's now um known as a as a protected characteristic neurodiversity as a, as a new yeah. characteristic so it's something that's identified and um it's, it's a very different society now um yeah absolutely 
the, the awareness has gone up and and it just it feels very weird there's there's a lot of weird things going on in the world and um I mean, I, I certainly experience it in my workplace. There's, uh, you know, only the other day we had to have we had a, a resiliency workshop. In, mm. in, in what in what yeah. at any point in in the past has anything like that had to exist? Like it just it's yeah. a new, no, that's a good point. Thing. And it's um it's being rolled out, and it's like this is like new stuff and mental health awareness and um care team support and mental health first aiders and and all this and it's it's uh, it's bonkers i mean it's it, the, thing, the thing is in so many ways life is so difficult right now but in so many other ways it's easier than it's ever been you know yeah. and i think that we're not really living in a way that's true and conducive to what humans were supposed to be you know yeah absolutely and, and things like social media they're they're great little tools but you know, if you watch stuff like The Social Dilemma, that is a true horror film, that thing. Like, they they did that on purpose. That's insane. Like, like that they created social media and the power it has and the influence it has. Like, think about this, this powerful little thing that that these young kids, these influential, we just spoke about how, how easily influenced children are. They're always looking to calibrate and work out what's, what's true, what isn't, what's right and what's wrong. And they get on social media and within, I don't know, they might sit on the toilet on it. 10 minutes and how many reels is that i don't know it could be it could be 100 reels right and they've yeah. just they've just been pumped full of you're not good enough you're this you should do that you should buy this you should it's just insane it's absolutely mm. insane. Like, imagine if you woke up in the morning you had 100 people sat in your, in your bedroom you'd be ready to fight <laughs> people but what's going on <laughs> but that's basically what we're doing we're, like, we're allowing like all of these people's opinions we're not supposed to know what some dude in australia is thinking we're not yeah. <laughs> we're not supposed to know that like you know yeah. it's, like, it's, so it's the... really weird world we're living in now and i, I find it um, so outside of work, I, I like to stay busy and I like to go and do things and yeah. I like to escape into like the Lake District and go do mountains and go do runs. And I just did the London Marathon the past weekend and I, I do all the different challenges and set myself goals. But the reason why I do that is to completely disconnect myself from work and from just life in general, just to separate. Yeah. And I constantly have people messaging me or asking me at work and whatnot why do you go do that sort of stuff? And I'm like, I'm like, because I, I genuinely feel like in decades to come, the generation of people that are coming through now, they're not going to be doing that stuff anymore. I, I just thought yeah. he's heading now towards this direction of social media driven existence. And it's just so unnatural. And, 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 and that's why I think you see so much anxiety and depression and stuff because the human body's meant to be out in nature. It's meant to be moving around. We're meant to be hunting for our food, not being able to get it so so easily and stuff. And if you're just sat at home um, on social media or on, on the TV and everything and, and not moving your body, and you're just sat with all that anxiety and depression and then adding it with negativity if you choose to, to um, focus on all that stuff as well. It's why you have such a rise in depression and anxiety at the minute. It's uh, Like you say, it's one of the best times to be alive, but it's one of the most dangerous as well, I think, for, men for mental health and stuff. Yeah, well, you think about as well, one of the things that, uh, I'm sort of really being careful about how much I read because it is a genuine anxiety of mine is this whole AI thing you know mm. like I my son said to me in the car the other day um uh, I don't have Snapchat I don't know anything about Snapchat you know but he said to me oh Snapchat have just given us given everybody this AI thing and I was like that sounds important I should listen to this <laughs> I was like what, what what's that and he, he was telling me about it and like it has full conversations with you and some of his friends are sending this AI thing, photographs and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh. wow, what is happening? What, what, like, what, what is that then? Because I don't know what, what <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> no, you're going to panic, Sam. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> understood. <laughs> understood. Understood. <laughs> so, any, anyone, anyone watching anything good at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Google. Anyway, That's what I'm watching like... as soon as we get off it. <laughs> oh, no. What have I no. done? I can see Jack's like, cheers, Johnny. Thanks for that. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I'll segue back to uh, <laughs> I'm trying my best to to step into the shoes now of of who of who I'm trying to become. Um, it's taking me a while to admit that, but it's not that I'm trying to become a public figure or anything like that. But the fact is, I know that I can be trusted to deliver information that's true, information that's well intended, and information that works. 
And the first yeah. thing I try to get people, you know, I have this thing I call the four A's and it's a process that I take all my clients through. And it takes you from the beginning, which is awareness. What is the mm. problem? Become aware of what is bothering you. What is the thing that you, what is the thing that's going on right now? Let's, let's be concise. Let's name it. Let's call it out. You know, what is it? And then the next thing is accountability. Where in this situation can I take some accountability? And that's not blame. That's not saying, oh, well, where am I to blame or who do I need to forgive or whatever. It's basically saying, what, where can I take back power? Where can I take back some sort of control? Where can I take responsibility or where can I take accountability for something that I can do something about? Which yeah. then leads you on to the next part, which is the acceptance. What do I just need to let go of? What do I need to stop thinking about? What do I need to stop pursuing? What do I need to just let go? I need to just mm. accept it. I have no longer got any influence over it. I need to stop now because it's starting to become something I'm ruminating over, which is leading me on a direct route to depression. And then the last yeah. one is action. If you want to create change in your life, you have to do stuff. Yeah. You have to do it. Like we can read about it. We can watch TV programs. We can talk to our mates about it. If you're not doing it, you're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... Is that, that, is that... that sounded similar to the steps that people use in, in recovery and addiction, in a way. Mm, it's yeah. the way people get out of that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm inspired by everything, you know, and I never yeah. claim to that things are mine or I don't care about that. It doesn't matter to me. I don't need ownership of things. I don't need to take credit for helping people or anything like that. Yeah. I am I am never the reason why somebody succeeds. You know, yeah. they are always driving the the vehicle of life. I'm just in the passenger seat. I might occasionally say, are you sure that's the right way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I might say, are you sure you want to drink that hot coffee while you're driving? <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. like that. You know? like, I might make, a, I, might, I might ask just questions, you know, but they yeah. are the driver. I don't have the answers for nobody. I'm not. You play, I'm not you play a very arrogant. important role because, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, and Sam's the same, but we, we, we do very similar sort of thing we just we just provide a little bit of awareness or or just open people's minds or, or change the perceptions on certain things or mm. or even with with what we do a lot with the podcast we just we we share things or share parts of us or, or what other people's stories or experiences they've been through and the impact that it can have on an yeah. individual like it's, it's, it's unbelievable like someone just tuning in that can just give them a little sense of hope or a little sense of like oh yeah it goes back to what you're saying before there's so much negativity and stuff that, that people can zone in on what what a, what an honor it is to give a bit of positivity back out there do you know what i mean and, yeah, and hope... you know what what you what you guys will never know what i will never know right is that i promise you this has happened already and will happen many more times right there'll be somebody listening to your podcast and it will change something in them yeah and they will be so grateful just one word you say or one thing that's said or one idea or one story and it will change. And I'll give you an example of it, right? Now I have to be careful here because this still, this still touches an emotional nerve. So I need to uh, mm. make sure that I'm cool. <laughs> but yeah. um, I've got this story that um, I tell because it's really, it, it's powerful, right? And it was um, when I was, when I was 16, obviously I moved out of my house and um, I was on my own. And fast forward a month or two, I had four jobs. You know, I was working in a pub. I was working in um, the warehouse at Netto's, stuck in the shelves at night. Um, I was bringing the papers in at Smith's. And I think I had another bar job as well. And I just rotated these things through the week. And I had four jobs. And I was walking home one night and I had no money. None. I was broke. I didn't, And I had a gas meter and I didn't have any gas, which meant I didn't have any warmth. I didn't have anything to cook. And I was crying my eyes out. I was walking home and I was 16, probably 17 at that point. And I was thinking to myself, this can't be right. This can't, I'm doing life wrong. This can't be this hard. I'm, I'm 17 and everyone else is at uni doing all this stuff. And I'm walking down this alleyway, four jobs, no money. What's going on? And I'm not saying I'm, I was suicidal or anything, but I definitely had a very powerful, I, would, I don't know if I could do this feeling. I wanted to give up. Anyway, got to the end of the alleyway and on the floor was 20 quid. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I honestly couldn't believe it. I looked up at the sky. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And the moral of that story is like, you can really, really, really want to give up, but don't because it, that, that time that you want to give up could be the moment before you find your version of that 20 quid. Yeah. Now, the bit about that story that makes me emotional is a couple of weekends ago, I got a message from a friend, a childhood friend. When, I, when violence got 
really bad when I was when I was younger. There was a friend I used to go to and I used to stay at his house and his mum used to look after me. Sometimes she'd patch me up, but she'd always feed me and give me a bed and she always made me laugh. She was lovely. Um, she died of cancer and he told me. Um, he also, his dad had got cancer and he had lost his children because he'd made a few mistakes and he'd broken up with his wife. And he said to me, Johnny, I just want you to know something. I nearly committed suicide a couple of weeks ago and I was scrolling through social media and I saw that video and it made me change my mind. And I was just wow. like, that's a lot, you know? If you think about what I just told you, like that guy helped me when I needed him and I didn't know that I'd helped him when he needed it. Yeah, that's amazing, mate. You know, yeah. and when I, I remember telling my wife about it and she was crying, I was like, stop because <laughs> i'm holding it together by a string <laughs> yeah you know I'm, uh, I'm actually gonna go in a minute <laughs> uh, it was just he was, he's... it makes it makes it all worth it it makes yeah. it you know you, you spoke earlier and I, you know I, i've felt the same way before where you know sharing parts of yourself or putting yourself out there into the you know the public domain and, and opening up about things and opening up about your own life and personal um, experiences and whatnot but to have that impact and to help someone in that moment makes it all worth it so as far as i'm concerned i, I said but, that you know, yeah the, the first time i'd done the podcast and shared like you know kind of a, a real important part of my life um you know i did it because i thought it might be able to help people when it did because you know I've, I've had so many messages from people over the last couple of years since doing it and um mm. it makes it all worth it it makes me realize yeah. that it wasn't me just being egotistical or like or anything like that. It's like it's the, you know it was a it was a want to help people or a want to yeah. try. And, and not not only does it help that individual, like we we had one person sticks out in particular, but someone went to rehab off the back of one of our podcasts, and this was one of our first ones, and so he's been love months that. Oh, yeah. Love that. That's months amazing. Over now, but he had four children as well, so they've all benefited from it. Do you know what I mean? So it's not just that one person it helps, it's everyone else as well. Yes, but, and this yeah. is what I mean. This is what I mean. You don't know, you, you know, you, you know, there's times in, where I've looked at my podcast and I've gone, oh, there's not been that many views or rare, 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 whatever. And then you get a message like that and you're like, it's not about that. This yeah. is yeah. not about yeah, you know, yeah. and, and what people don't realize, you know, is suicide is a really, is a really tricky thing, right? Because mm. there's this whole like idea that someone's selfish, but Unfortunately, I've I've known a few people that have committed suicide. Um, I've also known people that have wanted to. Um, and when they want to, they're not thinking of selfishly. They no. genuinely, wholeheartedly, with every soul, every part of their soul, believe that the world is better off without them. Yeah. And unless something inter interrupts that process, then that's what can happen. Now, him watching my video didn't solve all his problems. You know, he didn't go away going, I'm all good now. Cheers, Johnny. No, that it, it interrupted the process. Yeah, it was and the match got, it, stove, innit? Oh, yeah, and he yeah. got to go to sleep and wake up the next day. I mean, I don't know what he was what he was doing at the time. He could have been drinking. He could have been taking drugs. He could have been doing whatever. But mm. what that did was give him another night. He woke up in the morning and, you know, he hadn't made any decisions. And that's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. It's Absolutely. not to say that he, he won't in the future or he might go back there. I don't know. But that, that moment, that didn't happen. And that's that's something really, really... really Absolutely, mate. And, and we're, uh, that's a, a topic that's very passionate. Um, me and Jack are very passionate about. We both had our struggles, plus um, the dip, which I believe you're coming down for in July, if you can make it, aren't you? Yeah, well, I'm hoping to, but I yeah. think I've got a feeling. I was going to talk to you about that. I've got a feeling my wife's booked a holiday, but I'll. Oh, I'll, really? I'll investigate. Yeah. I will investigate. Yeah, no but worries, I, I, yeah. I would definitely, I would definitely love to come up and see you, chap. So, um, yeah, and do something like that. You know, that would be well, well. That dip is in honor of my best friend that also took his life as well. So that, that's what we're dedicating that to as well. So, yeah, it's if just, you can't make not, it, we'll do something else. It's, it's isn't it terrible? Like you know. Between the three of us, we probably know far too many men that have taken their lives, right? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely, and and yeah, it is, and it's scary, and it and it's unfair, and um, that's what 
like you said, for sometimes I used to get uh, at the beginning of this. If I'm being honest, I used to over get over obsessed and ask Jack how many people have viewed the podcast. Now I don't even ask him because I just think if as long as that help, the, the universe works in mysterious ways, and this podcast will fall on the right ears, I believe, and help the person that needs to hear it the most. I generally, generally believe that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of very curated things out there and they have their place but i think when you just have two chaps like you that's got some good life experience god head on their shoulders and the willing to want to help people i don't see where you can go wrong frankly yeah, <laughs> do you know what i mean right. and, and it's like you know you get i remember i've worked with some influences in the past and i, I never forget calling one of them out on something because she was like oh if just one person sees my post then i'll be really happy and i was like right is that true yeah, <laughs> and she was. And it was just like a real like like let's get to know you properly, shall we? Yeah. You're you're a real dangerous person in the world when you know yourself. You really yeah. are. You know? And I was just like, you're saying that. That's a little mantra, but do you believe it? There's nothing wrong with it. If you want yeah. hundreds of thousands of likes, that's fine. But don't lie to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> don't lie to yourself and don't lie to me. <laughs> yeah, you are and own own how you really feel about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Be be true to yourself, man. If you want. To be insta famous, there's nothing wrong with that. Fine, do it. Uh, you know, I don't judge it. I don't think it's wrong, right, anything. Like, you know, it is what it is. You know, um, but telling me that you you just want one person to see it when actually what you were doing was getting your ass out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not, not really sure that really works out, right? You know. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else that you would like to add to this podcast before we let you crack on with your evening? Uh, no, no uh, firstly, I'm just grateful, really grateful for the invitation, even more grateful to have met you both and had a lovely chat. Um, yeah. But, you know, if it's OK, I'd love to tell people about my podcast, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> mate. Absolutely. Yeah. No, so it's a self-development podcast. It's available on all of the normal platforms, including YouTube. I basically speak to people every two weeks um, that have either been through something very challenging and learned some stuff or they're a professional expert specialist in something we talk about all sorts of stuff um a lot of stuff around mental health but there's more ways to um sort of look at your mental health than just you know therapy and and self-development you know there's things like gut health exercise um well lots of things let's check it out and you'll and you'll find out but I, I go, I, I'll listen to anybody, man. <laughs> I, yeah. I, don't mind. I, you know, I was, I remember getting someone on that was talking about energy. Uh, they're an energy healer, and I don't know a lot about that. You know, I'm a very open-minded person. But by the time I was done listening to this person, I was ready to sign up, man. I was like, wow, yeah, <laughs> it's it, it did. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when somebody speaks sense to you and they put stuff to you in logical ways. That's why it's really important not to make assumptions, you know. But yeah, it's yeah. just, just a podcast. Um, you know, follow on social media, the self development coach. You'll find me on that on on most platforms. And uh, yeah, look out for the masterclasses. I'm going to be launching. A, you know, part of what I said my mission was was um, to help as many people with their self development as I can. And the problem with that is always cost. So I'm working on something where hopefully we might be able to achieve what I'm trying to achieve. So um, look out for that on social. Yeah, cool. absolutely, mate. That's amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and being a guest. And I'd love to do a lot Instagram live with you soon, if that's possible. I'll, yeah. I'll message her and, and we'll we'll um we'll carry on a chat over there because as I say, I'm a massive fan. I know they like compliments, but I think you're a diamond geezer and I thank you so much for coming no, on. I feel, I feel the same about you both, man. I think what you're doing is great work. I respect anybody. This the, people don't know how hard this is. It's hard. Yeah. It's yeah. podcasting is difficult. And I, I respect anybody that, that gives it a shot, whether they do three episodes, fifty episodes. I know you did your fiftieth a little while ago. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I respect it and I think it's great. I think what you're doing is amazing. Keep doing it, you know. Keep doing thank it. Thank you. And the same goes to you, mate. Absolute yeah, pleasure, you. mate. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you.